E4E is brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. In an effort to increase the availability and accessibility of UD expertise to Delaware's P12 educators, leaders, and policy influencers, we have invited faculty members from the University of Delaware's nine colleges to share their research. We hope you enjoyed today's critical conversation and consider ways you might be able to leverage relevant research and UD expertise to advance policy and transform practice. Dr. Lee McLean is an assistant research professor in the School of Education and Center for Research in Education and Social Policy at the University of Delaware. In her program of research, she investigates how teachers' emotions and emotion-related experiences, including well-being, impact their effectiveness. She is particularly interested in how teachers' emotions impact their instructional practices and the role that early career teachers' emotions play as they transition into teaching. Today, we've invited Dr. Lee McLean to speak about her work on teacher well-being. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lee. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. We're really excited, too. So my first question is, how is teacher well-being defined in the context of your research? I'm so glad you asked that because it's actually a really interesting ongoing conversation in the field right now is how we should define teacher well-being and what we should be looking at when we research teacher well-being. So in my work and the last, you know, decade or 15 years or so, teachers' well-being has mostly been studied from a deficit-based perspective. So looking at things like declines in teacher well-being or increases in mental health symptomatology, increases in burnout, and experiences with chronic work-related stress. And these are really important things to study, but more and more in the field, researchers are calling for well-being to include indicators of really positive well-being or what we like to call thriving, because this better speaks to all teachers rather than trying to identify and support only teachers that are struggling the most, even though it is definitely very important to identify and support these teachers. We're just trying to shift the goalpost in a more positive and inclusive way. So moving from this idea of how do we identify and support the teachers who are having the hardest time or how do we get teachers to survive teaching and shifting that to how can we ensure that all teachers can thrive in the teaching career. So we're in the middle of that shift right now. And I definitely want to acknowledge that most of my work takes a deficits-based approach as well. And I'm doing some cool shifts in the well-being indicators and the characteristics I'm looking at in some upcoming work that's shifting more towards that approach of looking at thriving. Even though the research on teacher well-being has been mostly deficits-based, the shift towards thriving is actually more in line with typical definitions of well-being, which are all about the positive aspects of yourself and your life that enable you to thrive. So I think this is a really valuable set of conversations that's taking place in the field. I also think personally, there would be a lot of value in studying the physical aspects of well-being because mostly in the field, we've been looking at the emotional aspects. So things like sleep, substance use, exercise, and hormone regulation among teachers, I think are areas that are really ripe for more discovery. That's fascinating. So what are some external factors that influence the well-being of educators? Yeah, there's a lot. So broadly, working conditions is the biggest set of factors that influences teachers' well-being. So I like to frame this all in kind of an occupational health theory called job demands resources. And that basically states that every job comes with challenges, which are demands, and resources, which are supports that help workers meet those demands. Teaching is notorious for being out of balance in demands and resources. So teachers face more demands than they have resources typically to meet those demands. And some of the most notable demands that teachers face are 
demands on their time. So in addition to needing to provide seven, eight hours of instruction per day, teachers also have a lot of logistical things they need to attend to, decreases in planning time, and then also working with parents, working with a lot of different types of colleagues in a lot of different ways can be really challenging. So within working conditions, research has shown that the biggest support or the biggest resource that teachers can have that boosts their well-being are the relationships within their schools. So if teachers have positive relationships with colleagues and if they get a lot of support from their principal and other administrators, these are the supports in the school context that have the most boost for their well-being. So within working conditions, it's the collegial relationships and the administrative support that seem to be the most important. So this work seems hyper timely as we begin to start the school year. And I'm wondering, does teacher well-being appear to impact rates of attrition or teacher turnover within the education profession? It absolutely does. In my own work, I've linked well-being to this idea of career optimism. So that's not attrition specifically, but it's a teacher's positive feelings about their career and their feelings about the potential longevity of their career or their comfort in making plans about being a teacher for a really long time, which is an early indicator of later attrition. So in my own work, I found that working conditions lead to decreases in mental health or difficult, challenging working conditions or that imbalance of demands and resources then leads to declines in mental health, which then leads to declines in career optimism, which you can definitely make the leap there that that would then lead to increased rates of attrition. So early career teachers more likely to leave the teaching profession. Yeah, unfortunately, this has been definitively shown in the research. So the estimates for how many teachers end up leaving the field fall somewhere between 30 and 50% for the teaching career in general. But some estimates have come in suggesting that 50% of all beginning teachers are going to leave the field entirely within their first five years, which is staggering. That is a rate of attrition not seen in almost any other profession. I should note, too, of that 50%, the vast majority of early career teachers who leave the field cite poor working conditions as a direct reason behind their attrition. So we know that it happens and we know a little bit about why. I've done some work specifically among teachers that are transitioning from pre-service teacher prep programs into the first couple of years of the career, just trying to learn more about why these high attrition rates seem to be happening in the first five years of teaching. And I've found that in general, mental health symptoms, so symptoms of depression, anxiety increase as teachers enter the field. But a few things seem to help. So having positive feelings about your own abilities as a teacher, so that's also called your self-efficacy for teaching. If you have high teaching self-efficacy, if you have a high level of adaptability, which is a really interesting component of this larger idea of resilience, and if you transition into a school that's really supportive, that again has those really positive relationships with colleagues and with your principal, these things seem to help teachers do really well in adjusting to the career and ultimately help them remain teachers for longer. I'm wondering what the implications of teacher well-being are on the ability to meet the needs of their students and on overall student outcomes. Of course. Myself and other researchers in this area have seen really pervasive effects of teachers' well-being on a lot of different classroom processes that all students are a part of, and then also on individual student outcomes as well. So teachers who have positive well-being, teachers that are really thriving, are better able to do things like assess and respond to their students' behavior so they can make more accurate judgments about the reasons behind a student's misbehavior, and they can respond to that misbehavior through more positive and effective discipline. 
They're better able to foster positive teacher-student relationships, which especially in the earlier grades are absolutely crucial to students' positive outcomes across the board is the teacher-student relationship. And in general, they're better able to create high-quality classrooms, which are a blend of a warm and supportive learning environment, an organized learning environment, and an environment where effective instruction happens. So those are the three kind of core tenets of a high-quality classroom. And when teachers are doing well, they're better able to do all those things well simultaneously. So all of these things in turn help students develop a host of different skills. So that includes social, emotional, and behavioral skills. And ultimately, these things support academic success. So one thing that I'm really interested in in my own work is that we've been finding that these effects of teachers' mental health seem to surface in particular contexts and also among particular students more strongly than in other contexts and among other students. When you're thinking about career stages, again, it seems like the early career stage is a time when teachers' well-being seems to surface most pointedly. In general, for teachers, when you're thinking about elementary teachers teaching across different content areas, it seems to be STEM content areas where teachers' well-being seems to kind of pop up as particularly important, and within that, especially mathematics. And then when you're thinking about which students these effects are the most profound for, it's students from underserved groups. So low SES students and students from racial ethnic minorities, these are the students that seem to pick up on their teachers' well-being the most compared to other students. So that's really important. Is there a correlation between teacher well-being and student achievement? Yeah. So there's definitely a correlation between teachers' well-being and students' achievement. And interestingly, like I said, this seems to surface most pointedly in STEM content areas, specifically math. And among students who are underserved or students that are already struggling with this content area. So in one of my first studies on teachers' depression in 2015... I found that when teachers had more depressive symptoms, their students who already began the year struggling with math had lower math gains than students who were already doing okay in math. So this kind of begs the question of why. Why are these students the ones that really seem to struggle more when their teachers are struggling with their own well-being? And we've thought about students from underserved populations may have fewer adult socializers to STEM content areas, so they may rely on their teacher more to pick up cues about learning and about STEM learning and about math learning. There are a lot of public policies and initiatives geared at literacy for students. So every child ready to read, no child left behind, like get a book in every child's bedroom, get families reading together. But there's nothing like that for math and science. So there's very, very little. And so families in underserved contexts may have a little bit more to go off of when promoting their child's literacy in the home, but they have less to go off of for STEM content areas. And so I think these students are coming in relying on their teachers more for this. And if their teacher is struggling with their well-being, and that translates to more struggles in math and science, then it may be the underserved students who are unfortunately the ones that see the negative outcomes of this. Lee, I'm just wondering, based on what you just said, if there's areas of opportunity for future research or research related to teacher well-being and student achievement. Yeah, I think there are some really great programs that exist currently that are out there to support teachers in thriving. But unfortunately, most or all of these programs are not targeted towards specific teachers or specific students or in specific learning contexts. So with what I'm finding in my work showing that early career teachers and STEM content areas are where these things surface most pointedly, there's a lot of opportunity for professional learning programs that help teachers 
during the early career stage and that also help teachers build positive emotions and show positive emotions to their students for STEM content areas specifically. So I'm creating a professional learning program for new teachers called Open for STEM, and it stands for Orienting Positive Emotions in New Teachers for STEM Content Areas. And this is a blend of all of those things. So what we're hoping to do is have teachers participate in this professional learning the summer before they start the teaching career, which we're kind of envisioning as a last critical window to get some really important information in before teachers walk into the very overwhelming classroom where they might not be as available for professional learning. And we're going to help them leverage positive emotional transmission, which is basically this idea that when the lead adult in a situation displays a positive emotion for something, it's very likely that the children, or in this case, the students are going to pick up on that positive emotion and feel it themselves. And so if we can do this purposefully in STEM content areas, if we can get teachers who are experiencing anxiety for STEM or who really don't like teaching STEM to instead shift their mindset to, I really like STEM. I want to display positive affect. I want to show my students that STEM is a good, fun, important content area. Then I think that we can leverage that positive emotional transmission to help students engage in STEM more. So that's open for STEM. And we're working on that right now. I'm really excited about it. But that's an example of a program that gets at some of those gaps in what currently exists to help teachers. That's amazing. So we always like to sort of round out our episodes with a connection to Delaware and Delaware schools. So how can Delaware schools better promote the well-being of educators? I want to start off by saying that I have done teacher well-being research in lots of different contexts, and I have been so impressed with the commitment that Delaware schools have shown to supporting their teachers and their students, specifically in well-being. It's really, really been wonderful. I came here in February, and so I'm relatively new to conducting this type of research in Delaware, and it's been really positive. So some of the districts in Delaware, I've noticed, are doing really innovative things to support teachers. One district in particular has an entire district department dedicated to teacher wellness and staffed with professionals and including programming targeted specifically towards teachers' health in the schools. And so that is really innovative, and I have not seen that anywhere else, and it's really exciting at the district level. These efforts from schools and districts are great, and I think that they could be even more impactful when paired with large-scale policy changes that make teaching a career where there aren't so many barriers to well-being, where well-being isn't so severely challenged. So what would you like to see in terms of future research on the promotion of teacher well-being? I know we may have hinted on this a little bit earlier, but I would love to hear more. Yeah. There's a lot of excitement right now about the creation of really innovative new tools to help train teachers in promoting their own well-being and to help principals and district leaders support the well-being of their educators. And I think this is great, but I also want to note that it's important that the impetus on improving teacher well-being not only be with the teacher themselves. It shouldn't be, here's a mindfulness program, go support your own well-being. So these tools really need to be paired with large-scale policy changes that make teaching a career that teachers can be well in. I think that's really important. So in addition to research on teachers' well-being, research on the creation of tools that teachers and schools can use, research on and movement on educational policies to improve the teaching career at large is really important. And I don't just mean things like increasing teacher pay. Everyone thinks that that's going to be the silver bullet that's going to solve this teacher well-being problem. And it's not. Actually, in a lot of really large-scale national surveys, teachers rank other stressors as way higher than dissatisfaction with pay as contributors to occupational dissatisfaction. 
So things like increasing pay along with structuring teachers' time so that they have more autonomy, more planning time, ensuring teachers aren't overloaded with logistical tasks that take them away from planning and take them away from instruction, staffing schools adequately with paraprofessionals, support staff, and school psychologists so that these responsibilities aren't falling solely on the teachers who do not receive specialized training in these areas, and building in support systems for teachers that support their mental health in similar ways that we do for students. So schools typically have school counselors, school psychologists, systems in place to notice and respond when students are having a mental health crisis. I think if we were to replicate that for teachers, it could go a long way in making sure teachers get the support they need. And then also making sure that teacher benefits packages have things like mental health coverage and mental health days and adequate maternity leave and adequate time off would all go a really long way policy-wise. So I think these things paired with training on the teacher and principal side is how we're going to get the best outcomes for teachers. This has been wildly informative. We're so thankful to have had you on our podcast and as our first episode for our third season. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? By looking at the Center for Research in Educational and Social Policy website, you can find Tech Lab and the ongoing projects in Tech Lab that are happening right now. And that's a really great place to learn more about my work and just more about the work of CRESP and the School of Education in general at University of Delaware. We've got a really uniquely amazing group of faculty here that do amazing work. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of E4E, brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. For more information about the work being done by the Partnership for Public Education, please visit our website at www.udel.edu/ppe.